Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that your word says, in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God, I pray that you would satisfy us today with your word, and that the good news of your gospel would be good news for your kingdom people today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are wrapping up our series in Christ, and we're going to be looking at the doctrine of glorification today, that is the culmination of God's work in his people. Uh, Here's what you need to know. All of human history, prior to the coming of Christ, looked forward to and awaited the promise of restoration in Jesus Christ. In fact, it traces back all the way to the third page of your Bible, Genesis chapter 3, uh, where it says, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Uh, this is the gospel according to Genesis, and it's looking ahead to the promise of Jesus. In fact, the coming of Christ is so significant to human history that modern history is literally divided by the date of his coming. Uh, B.C. means before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, is Latin for the year of our Lord. And Christ arrived. Christ came and lived a sinless life. He taught on the kingdom of God. He revealed the heart of the Father. Not only that, but he died. He was obedient unto death. He died a substitutionary death. For three days he was in the tomb. And on the third day he rose by the power of the Spirit of God. He resurrected to new life. And we're told in the end of the Gospels that... uh, Jesus appeared to some 500 people after his resurrection. In Acts chapter 1, we read that Jesus, after commissioning his church, he ascended into heaven. And today, presently, uh, as you hear my words, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is the living, reigning, ruling, exalted king of the world. And Jesus is currently waiting for the commission of his Father to come back for his people a second time. This is the return of Christ. Just as ancient history looked forward to the coming of Jesus, uh, so too do we today await the second coming, the return of Christ. And that's the big idea as we unpack the doctrine of glorification. It's that the return of Christ is the hope of the Christian. The return of Christ is the hope of the Christian. It's not right to talk about the doctrine of glorification without also talking about the event of the return of Christ. Uh, The doctrine of glorification is inseparable from the day in which Christ will return. This is why the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 3 verse 2 says that when he, that is Jesus, appears, we will be transformed We will be made like him, John says, because we will see him as he is. This means that when Jesus returns, when Jesus comes back a second time to establish his kingdom, to conquer death for all of eternity, uh, we will be in that moment transformed to be made like him. This is the doctrine of glorification. When Jesus returns, his people will see him as he is and we will be transformed. This is glorification. And if I could give you a a brief, not so brief definition of the doctrine of glorification, it is is this. 
glorification is the immediate, complete, and final restoration of God's people at the return of Christ. It's the immediate, complete, and final restoration of God's people at the return of Christ. And if you need to pause so you can write that down, my wife loves to be able to pause uh, the, the video while we're watching. That's something you can't do when we're, when we're live. But write that down, it's important. It's important because in the moment we see Jesus, when he returns, we will see him as he is and will become like him. We could say it this way, the, the doctrine of glorification is the culmination of sanctification. You remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the doctrine of sanctification, the progressive work of the Holy Spirit in God's people to make us like Jesus. This is sanctification. And glorification is the culmination of the sanctifying work in God's people. Uh, just as an artist's finished work is the culmination of hours of work that he's put into the painting, or um, maybe fathers, just as handing your, uh, giving your daughter's hand away in marriage is the culmination of your years of, of parenting, so too is glorification, the culmination of God's redeeming and restorative work in his people. This is, this is glorification. And for our time together today, we're going to look at uh, three passages from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He wrote most of the books of the New Testament. And uh, we're going to look at three of his letters, three perspectives on this doctrine of glorification because it's multifaceted. I was telling someone earlier this morning that I, I really don't think it would do justice to the doctrine of glorification just to choose one passage. Uh, it's such a robust doctrine. Uh, we're going to look at three, three passages to give us a more complete picture of this doctrine of glorification. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, uh, go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. And we're going to read that together. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. Paul says this, They, that is those who do not know God, will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Paul's hitting on a massive biblical theme, Old and New Testament alike, and that is the theme of the day of the Lord. In the day of the Lord, God is portrayed as a grand judge uh, who will make right all that is wrong in the world, who will render a completely righteous verdict based on our deeds, what we have done. This is the day of the Lord where he'll execute judgment on those that have trespassed against his name and trans, transgressed him and have, have hurt his creation because God is a judge who will make right all that is wrong in the world. And, and Paul in 2 Thessalonians uh, says that the, the day of the Lord really is both bad news and good news. It's bad news and good news because in, in verse 9, uh, for those that do not know God, for those that reject the gospel, uh, it's going to be a day where they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. The day of the Lord for those outside of the protection and the work of Christ is, is not good news. 
the return of Christ is not good news for those outside of Christ. But it's also good news. It's good news for, for who? For those that have believed in Christ. See, for believers, the day of the Lord, that is when Christ comes again, the return of Christ, and the day of the Lord is good news because it's the day of our glorification. It's the day of our immediate, complete, and final restoration. That's what we can await for the return of Christ. And Paul goes on in verse 10 to explain the purpose of Christ's return. I want you to look with me in verse 10. It says, when Jesus comes on that day, that is the day of the Lord, to be what? To be glorified in his people and to be marveled at among all who have believed. Paul is saying the purpose of Jesus' return is to be glorified in, to be made much of in his people and to be marveled at among all who have believed. Let me say this. If you don't marvel at the return of Christ today, you will not marvel at his return on that day. Right, the return of Christ is the hope of the Christian. Is it your hope today? Jesus is returning to be marveled at among his people. Do you marvel at that today? Because if not, you won't on that day. I know it's difficult because in our culture, this idea of a supernatural uh, return of Jesus Christ is scoffed at, it's laughed at, it's mocked. But man, this is central to the this is central to Christian theology. The idea that Jesus came and lived sinless life the first time he ascended, but he will return. He will come back for his people. And we marvel at that truth. The return of Christ is the hope of the Christian. We look forward to the day of glorification for God's people. We're going to look at a second passage. It's in Paul's letter uh, to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you would turn with, turn with me there, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 55, we see not only the day of glorification, but we see and the victory, the victory of glorification. Uh, the letter of 1 Corinthians was written to a small church community that G, uh, Paul planted in the city of Corinth. It's estimated there are roughly 50 to at max 200 people in the early Corinthian church. And if you've read 1 Corinthians, you know that, man, that church was full of drama. Church was full of drama. And we know that Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians throughout the 16 chapters various issues and debates and divisions and bad theology that the Corinthian church was holding on to. And in chapter 15, Paul is addressing the fact that there were many in the church at Corinth who rejected the idea of a resurrection. Really, they rejected the doctrine of glorification. And Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians 15. Read with me in verses 51 through 55. Paul says this, Behold, see, 
I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Here's what Paul is saying. Death is defeated at the coming of Christ. Death is defeated in the moment of glorification of God's people. And Paul unpacks this. Follow Paul's logic with me. How does this happen? Well, look above in in verse 50 with me for a moment. Paul addresses this issue. He says, I tell you this, brothers, verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. What Paul is saying is uh, the mortal, that which is physical, cannot inherit that which is eternal, the kingdom of God. So Paul says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The physical cannot inherit the spiritual. The mortal cannot inherit the eternal. So what is... What does God do about it? Well, jump down with me again in verse 53. Uh, Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, Paul says that this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. You need to know that uh, God created man and woman in his image, and he created us Body, physical, and soul, spiritual. Body, material, and, and, and soul, immaterial. That's what it means to be created in God's image. And so, Paul says, for us to be in the eternal presence of God, we must be transformed not just spiritually, but also physically. In the New Testament, you'll hear Paul talk about our physical bodies as the flesh. You'll, you'll hear him... Uh, Talk about how it's this body of death, he says, in Romans 6 and 7. We must be delivered from that. We must be given not only new hearts, but also new bodies to be in eternal life with with our Father. If you've been in church for some time, maybe you've heard this uh, term, resurrection body. right? The resurrection body of God's people. Uh, This this resurrection body... um, There's a lot of question about, well, what what will that look like? What will it look like to be in an eternal state? Um, Will we look like ourselves? What will our bodies be like? And the reality is we we don't know that much. Uh, Paul talks about it some in 1 Corinthians 15. You can also go to John, chapters 20 and 21. We can look at the life of Jesus, and we can see some things that Jesus did. Uh, after his resurrection with his new resurrected glorified body. Um, But here's what we do know. We will finally be delivered from this body of death. We will finally be delivered once and for all and from the wear and tear of sin and the devastating effects of sin that's taken a physical and mental toll on us. We're going to be given new bodies. The Perishable will be made imperishable. We'll be given resurrection bodies. 
And then Paul says this is really important in verses 54 and 55. He says, when this happens, that is, when we receive our new bodies in that moment when we are glorified and transformed, it says, when that happens, will come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Death will be defeated at the coming of Christ. Death is defeated in the glorification of his people. Man, sin is completely judged and done away with in the glorification of God's people. We are delivered finally from the bondage and oppression of sin. The whole person is glorified. The whole person, body and soul, is restored and made to be entirely, perfectly like Jesus. We will see him as he is when he returns. Death will be defeated. This is the victory of glorification. The victory of glorification. And lastly, we look at Paul's letter to the Romans. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 30. Romans chapter 8, verse 30. And this is why the return of Christ is the hope of the Christian. Because it is, it is good news for us to look ahead and look forward to the deliverance and restoration of God's people from the devastating effects of sin. And Paul in Romans 8 verse 30 says that we have the promise of glorification. This isn't just a, a future hope. This isn't just, well, let's, let's hedge our bets and hopefully we'll be glorified one day. It's, it's a promise. It's a rock-solid promise rooted in the sure character of God. Look with me at Romans 8 verse 30. Paul says this, And those whom he, the Father, predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, here's our word, he also glorified. This passage is referred to as the order of salvation. Or if you're a visual learner, you could look at it as an ironclad chain link of events in Christ of our salvation. It's sequential. I want you to look at each of these four words, predestined, called, justified, glorified. A lot of churchy terms here. Let's walk through it very briefly. The promise of glorification says, those whom he predestined, he also called. As a pastor, one question I get asked a lot is, do you believe in predestination? And I say, well, well yeah, it's in the Bible. Uh, it's just a matter of how we define predestination and um, one of the best ways we can do that is, is, is look at Ephesians 1. Literally, the word predestined means to destined or determined beforehand. And Ephesians 1, Paul's letter to Ephesus, uh, tells us that God the Father in Christ, in love, predestined us as ado uh, to adoption as sons from before the foundations of the world. Pa Paul says that in Christ... God has initiated relationship from before the foundation of the world with his covenant people. God initiates this relationship and, and we respond. So, so Paul, Paul says those whom he predestined, he also, 
He also called. This is the invitation of discipleship. 22 times in the Gospels of Jesus, Jesus extends the invitation to discipleship by saying these two words, follow me. He calls out, follow me. And his disciples respond and they, they follow him. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Follow this logic. And those whom he called, he also justified. You remember back in week one of this series, uh, the doctrine of justification, that is to declare righteous in relation to the law because of Christ. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he called, he declared righteous in Christ. And here's what I want to focus on. Those whom he justified, those whom he declared righteous, God also glorified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Glorification is the immediate, complete, and final restoration of God's people at the return of Christ. It's the hope of the Christian. I need you to catch something. Those whom he predestined, called, and justified are words in the past. These are events that happened to the believer in the past. Glorification is something that we look forward to in the future. But look with me in Romans 8.30. The word glorified is in the past tense as if it's already happened. Why? Because if you are predestined, called, and justified, you will be glorified. This is the promise of glorification. Believer, I need you to hear this. Jesus came that you may have life and have it to the full, John 10 says. If you have been justified by God's grace and your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have the promise that you will be glorified at his coming. Your glorification is as certain as God is faithful. I'll, I'll wrap up with this. Um, a family member of mine some years ago had, had a pretty tragic and serious open heart surgery. And I'll never forget before his surgery, before his operation, risky operation, um, he asked me, Chase, I, I don't know if I'm going to be in glory. I don't know if I'm going to be with Christ if I don't make it through this surgery. And may I mind you, this was a family member who and raised me in the Christian faith, who studied the Bible, who taught the Bible for some 25 years, but didn't have any assurance of his salvation, didn't know when it got down to it if he would be with Christ on the other side of this life. And it broke my heart. Let me tell you this, that is not God's plan for his people. That is not the Father's heart for you. If you are justified in Christ, you will be glorified with him on that day. Paul goes on a few verses later in Romans 8 that says, Man, we are more than conquerors, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
If you're justified, you will be glorified. This is the promise of glorification. It's the promise of glorification. The return of Christ is the hope of the Christian. The return of Christ is the hope of the Christian. Let me say this by way of conclusion. Because the return of Christ is the hope of the Christian, one, we don't have to fear the return of Christ. We don't have to fear the day of the Lord. God is for us and not against us. And the day of the Lord will be judgment for non-believers, but for those in Christ, it will be our day of glorification. It will be the defeat of death. Second, death is defeated at the return of Christ. Death is defeated in the glorification of his people. This is certain, and we can look forward to that. And lastly, if you have been justified in Christ, if you are walking, you know, keeping in step with the Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians 5, and you're obediently following him, being made into the image of Jesus, Paul reminds us in Romans 8 that we can be assured that glorification is in our future. And the return of Christ is, is the hope of the Christian. We don't have to fear the return of Christ. We can look forward to eternal life and resurrection bodies. We can look forward to being made into the perfect image of God's son, Jesus, because of the promise of glorification. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that from before the foundations of the world and to the new creation of all things, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. You who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for your promise of glorification. Thank you that you will not leave us stranded in our sin. But Father, you sent Jesus to live a sinless life, to die a substitutionary death, to rise again, to give new life to all who would place their faith in him. And we worship a living, soon-coming king who will come back, and in that day, we will be glorified in him. We will be made to be perfectly like Jesus. And we await that day with eager expectation. God, make this expectation, make this reality real to your people in this moment as we await the return of Christ and the final victory over death. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.